everything that causes sin and all food to evil. They will throw them into the blessed furnace, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their Father. Whoever has ears, let them hear. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks. 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 Let's pray together. O oh Lord, our heart is prone to wonder. So this time we pray that the Holy Spirit will work in our heart to open our heart so that we may listen to your word. We pray, O oh Lord, let your word today challenge us of our sin and train us in godliness. I want to pray for Andrew as he shared the word with us today. Pray that you will give him wisdom and courage to speak of your word. We pray for clarity. We just pray that your name will be exalted in this place as we listen to your word today. In this name we pray. Amen. Well, uh, good morning. We'll, uh, we'll come to that portion of uh, Matthew 13 in, uh, in, in just a moment's time. Very briefly, by way of introduction and explanation, uh, when it comes to the Bible and, and teaching the Bible, my particular passion or interest is thinking about uh, its application, especially to those uh, who are in the workplace, the marketplace. Uh, and so as we look at that passage now, hopefully it will be for, for all of our edification. Um, but I'm going to labour a little bit some of the uh, illustrations and application related to the workplace. Hopefully that will be helpful for us also uh, as we think about uh, all those people in our churches, uh, for them that being the context in which they're seeking to live out their discipleship and uh, might be helpful also as we think about uh, our ministering uh, to them also. Um, so with that in mind, let me pray also and then we'll, we'll look at that passage. Uh, Lord, we want to live well as your people uh, in light of the age that uh, we live in now uh, and also the age to come. And we pray that you might give us your wisdom to do that so that we and, uh, and many others might one day shine like the sun in your kingdom. Amen. Uh, well, prior to doing uh, what I do now, uh, my, my work background was working as a journalist. Uh, some days being sent to uh, the scene of a news story and reporting on what was happening. And there were days when you could see the real good that that kind of work did. I remember one particular occasion being sent to uh, a factory fire right on the side of one of Sydney's major arterial roads. This blaze had broken out just at the beginning of the morning peak and it was so extensive, so significant, this fire, that they had shut down the entire road in both directions. A major arterial road shut right at the beginning of the morning peak. It was going to be traffic chaos. For the next three hours, I, I stood there outside this burning building um, reporting on what was happening. The road closures, the alternative routes that had been set up in place, how long police anticipated this road to be shut for. For those who were sitting in their cars trying to get to work, that kind of informing of them, that information for them was helpful. It was the kind of occasion where it was clear this was good work. However, there are other days where you do almost the same sort of thing and yet the lines would be a little bit more blurry. 
I remember on another occasion being sent to another fire, this time a very different one, uh, in a family home. Uh, we'd heard that there might have been a couple of children who were caught inside this property when the blaze broke out. And by the time I arrived at this street where this family home was, uh, the worst had been confirmed. Two boys, I think they were aged under six, had both died in this family home, in this fire. I still remember, like it was just yesterday, driving into this street, stepping out of the car and almost feeling like I was hit by a wall of grief. Uh, it was 11am on a lovely sunny autumn morning, not too dissimilar today. But on this street it felt like the entire world had stopped. I remember there was a, there was a woman in a pink dressing gown and her face was red um, from tears and from crying. Um, the house was there and the back part of it was still smouldering. There was police tape stretched around. And my job was to walk up to all those people who were standing there, the neighbours, friends, potentially even family members, and ask them, did you know the family? Did your kids play with their kids? Do you know what might have started this fire? I did the job that I was sent there to do, but I remember leaving and feeling conflicted. Was my presence, the work that I'd been sent to do, only compounding the grief of that situation, making it worse for those people? And yet at the same time, I also knew that those, that reporting could potentially prevent another similar tragedy. Some days, real good. Other days, a whole lot less clear. And the question came for me, how do I live in those grey spaces? Um, the age that we live in now, living as members of Jesus' kingdom now, uh, is complicated. He has died, he has risen, his kingdom has already begun breaking into this creation, into this world now. And yet we know not entirely as well. Uh, we don't have to look too far to see evidence of that. So how do I live well in his kingdom now, in this present age, particularly in those grey spaces? And I remember asking some Christian leaders um, for help uh, in this, particularly my confusion over my work. Some days real good, other days less clear. And the answer often was something alike, something very black and white. Um, a list. These jobs, pastimes, groups, they're all good. These jobs, pastimes, groups, they're all not. So go after the white, avoid the black, which is all very helpful until you encounter the grey spaces. And that is where this parable of the wheat and the weeds, I think, is profoundly helpful for us here. And four little words in there that shape how we understand this age and how to live well in it. So Matthew 13, if you've got it open there, uh, it contains uh, several of Jesus' kingdom of heaven parables. Uh, many of those anticipate what the kingdom will one day be. For example, the ones that are in the centre of this passage we're looking at now, verses 31 to 35. You've got a small seed now, but a flourishing tree in the age to come. An invisible bit of yeast now, but it spreads through the whole dough. So what the kingdom will be like... And the parable which surrounds them, you've got the parable itself at the beginning and then the explanation 
on the other side. That parable also gives an idea of what the kingdom will be like. But it does more than just that. It also helps us understand something of the kingdom now and living in the kingdom now and particularly how to live well in those grey spaces now. So verse 24, it begins, The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. So Jesus likens his kingdom in this age to a field, a field where, verse 25, there are two things. Wheat, planted by this man, and weeds, planted by the man's enemy. And then in the explanation part of this passage, Jesus explains that the wheat and the weeds, they represent people. Verse 38, the wheat represent the sons of the kingdom. The weeds, in contrast, represent the sons of the evil one. So what you've got here in this parable is we have a picture of a field and growing in that same field is wheat and weeds. Uh, the righteous and the unrighteous, people of the kingdom, people of the evil one, all in that same one field, that same one paddock, that same one space. And then here are the key verses, verses 27 to 30. The owner's servants came to him and said, Sir, didn't you sow good seed in your fields? Where then did the weeds come from? An enemy did this, he replied. The servants asked him, Do you want us to go and pull them up? No, he answered, because while you're pulling weeds, you may root up the wheat with them. Now, verse 41 in the explanation part of this parable tells us that these servants are God's angels and they say, should we pull out the weeds? And the definite answer is no. Uh, pulling out the weeds might damage the wheat. And here are those four key words. Verse 30. No, he answered, because while you're pulling the weeds, you may root up the wheat with them. Let both grow together. Let both grow together. Four words that I think give us great insight into the age that we live in. What the kingdom looks like right now. And I think they open up a way for us thinking about how to live in the kingdom now. A kingdom that has begun to break in. How to live well in the kingdom now. And what those words they tell us is this, that we live in an age that is not black and white. It's not as though the, the fields that we, that we spend our days living in, operating in, working in, spending time in, it's not as though those fields are, some are all black and, and some are all white. No, Jesus tells us his kingdom now, wheat and weeds grow side by side. Both grow together. So our neighbourhoods, the places that we live, are filled with wheat people and weeds people. Our schools are filled with wheat people and weeds people. Our workplaces are filled with wheat people and weeds people. Universities, wheat and weed people. The righteous and the unrighteous side by side. Sin and grace side by side. But to take this another step further uh, and certainly developing it in line with with the new testament uh, but perhaps further a little bit than the passage itself goes just here crops produce fruit apple trees produce apples orange trees produce oranges wheat people produce wheat the righteous do deeds of righteousness and likewise 
Weeds people produce wheat. The unrighteous do deeds of unrighteousness. Now, just a, a little note of an explanation uh, about that. The focus of this parable is on wheat and weed people. But it does also allude to the things that the wheat and weed people do. Verse 41, in that part of the explanation of the parable where it talks about a, a great weeding that is going to happen, and it talks about how comprehensive this weeding is going to be. Verse 41 says, The Son of Man will send out his angels, and they will weed out of his kingdom everything that causes sin and all who do evil. So there is a judgment coming that will be comprehensive. There are people who are going to be weeded out, all who do evil. But even more than just people in this final weeding, Everything that causes sin, it says. So the, the, the structures, the institutions, the establishments that weed people might have constructed, which only foster and facilitate wickedness and evil and sin, not just people, but also the weeds that weed people might have produced, all of this is going to be weeded out, Jesus says. There is a comprehensive weeding coming. So how does all of that help us live well in this age as members of the kingdom right now? Well, it means we, we need to see this age in the way that Jesus describes it there. That we can't see the places that we live in and that we operate in. We can't see the spaces that the people, those that we minister to, live in or operate or work in. We can't see those spaces as just purely simplistically black and white. This one is all good. This one is all evil. So, rather both grow together, as Jesus says. As we counsel that student in our church over which uh, degree to pursue at university, or, or that friend over which job they should apply for, it's not as simple as these are all good and these are all bad. No, there is wheat and weeds in teaching. There is wheat and weeds in banking. There is wheat and weeds in the medical professions. There is wheat and weeds in that playgroup, that school, that community project. There is a sense in which all spaces have a degree to which they're compromised in this age, Jesus says. And so because all spaces are compromised, Living well in them becomes difficult and complicated. Living well in those spaces, living as citizens of the kingdom in this present age. We need to learn how to make what you might call good compromises. I know what you're thinking, make good com compromises, that sounds uh, oxymoronic or maybe just moronic. Um, the, 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 the theologian and ethicist Oliver O'Donovan is very helpful here. He says there's two ways we need to think about compromise in our age. There's the kind of compromise where you, where you uh, conform to the patterns of this world and so sin. That's not the kind of compromise of living well in this age. But there is good compromise. Never sin, never even the ends, the, the ends justifies the means. But where we pursue a course of action, where we counsel and minister people to pursue a course of action that might not be ideal, but which is possible. 
and so accomplish some real good. As O'Donovan puts it, we give up the impossible for what is possible. Or as I like to put it in light of this passage, our approach is to help wheat to flourish and weeds to wilt. In our homes, in our workplaces, in our schools, in our communities. See the wheat and fertilise it. See the weeds and try and stunt their growth. Or as I say to people who are in the workplace, see the, see the good that your industry does and try and enhance the growth of that. And see the harm your industry does and try and stunt that. A classic example in scripture of this is Joseph in Genesis. He is a wheat man working in a weed environment and he makes good compromises, giving up the impossible for what is possible. You, you perhaps know that the, the pharaohs of, of Egypt, they, they very much established themselves as a god, a rival to the true and living god, Yahweh. And Joseph takes up work with a man like this. And not just any work, the kind of work that is going to only further establish the, the significance of that nation. In a black and white world, we might say, Joseph, you can't work for an employer like that. And what work does Joseph do? Well, he, he establishes a food program, resourcing desperate nations that are around. And in doing so, further, uh, I, I guess, making them dependent upon Egypt, further establishing the rule of this pharaoh uh, in that region. A man who is a rival to the true and living God, Joseph is only further establishing his rule. And yet, in doing all of that work, Joseph does real good. Uh, a food program that perhaps saves the lives of hundreds, thousands. In an arena of weeds, Joseph is seeking to make wheat flourish. Good compromises. Well, while, it, while I think it is right to, to, to think about the application of this passage in terms of the kingdom now, how to live well now, and, and to apply it in that kind of, in that kind of way, um, particularly for those in our churches who we might be ministering to who are trying to think about how do I live in the grey spaces? How do I live well in them, faithfully in them? Nevertheless... Let me, let me conclude with what is the central focus of the wheat and the weeds in this passage. Not just the, the produce of wheat and weed people, but wheat and weed people themselves. Because, of course, the passage is a warning. A warning that a day is coming when wheat and weeds will no longer both grow together as they do now. Um, but... What is ahead for the weeds is terrifying. Verse, uh, verse 41 there. The Son of Man will send out his angels. They will weed out of his kingdom everything that causes sin and all who do evil. They will throw them into the fiery furnace where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Now the ultimate wheat that we want to see flourish is people, is it not? Because of what is coming the way of the weeds. So let me encourage us and remind us uh, in light of this, this warning of this uh, parable as well. Do we live with that final weeding out in view? Do we, do we view the people who aren't part of this kingdom like that? 
We don't simply want to live well in this age. We don't simply want to disciple those in our churches to live well in this age. We want to work and labour and strive so that there might be more wheat people in the age to come. But here's how those two actually come together to close. As we equip those people in our churches to live well in this age, a complicated age, an age where both grow together, as we equip them to live well, live wisely, that living well has a missional effect in and of itself, doesn't it? Because what it does is they seek to be wheat people in a weedy environment and do wheaty deeds of righteousness. That gives a little taste, doesn't it? A foretaste of what will last from this age. It gives a little foretaste of what the kingdom will be made up of entirely, wheat. It gives a little taste that people hopefully, family members, friends, neighbours, colleagues, get a little taste of, get a little glimpse of, see something of what will last in this kingdom and say, I really want some of that too. I want to be in on that. And so, hopefully, they too might join, as this um, parable concludes, they might join with the righteous who will one day shine like the sun in the kingdom of their father. Let me pray to that end. Father God, we thank you that Jesus has died. He is risen. His kingdom has begun to break into this age. And yet, Father, we know that oftentimes it can be difficult, uh, can be tricky to know how to live faithfully as your people in an age where wheat and weeds both grow together. Give us wisdom in that so that we might wisely pastor and counsel those that you have entrusted to our care in that also. So that ultimately we might be people in this age who bring the great news of the gospel to weedy people who desperately need to hear it and be saved. Amen.